What is the difference between a manager and a leader? Just how important is the leadership role on your staff or team? How do you provide unexpected value? Welcome to another episode of Long Beach Locals, the only podcast in Long Beach that highlights local businesses and the people behind them. When you enjoy this episode, please like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. This podcast is brought to you by Active Life. I'm your host, Justin Mosley, and today our guest is operations lead of the Active Life Long Beach flagship, Cody Ringel. Cody, thank you for joining us today. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. So can you share a little bit about your journey from being a collegiate athlete to becoming a CrossFit coach and eventually owning your own gym, Fortitude Strength? Sure. Uh, you got to go back a couple years. It's not that far, but a few. Uh, Went to high school, was a wildly mediocre student, found athletics as an outlet, I think, for a lot of things. Uh, didn't really pick up contact sports or anything like football until my freshman year of high school my mom was the type of mom who I was too like fragile mm -hmm. right younger than that to to play uh football so found that freshman year continuing the trend of wildly mediocre was not a good athlete I don't, I don't have a ton of natural athleticism like it wasn't like I got on the field and it was like this kid's going somewhere this, this is the kid yeah it was like <laughs> got on the field in first year it's like oh we got a rudy situation mm -hmm. on our hand <laughs> but ended up hitting my stride and growth spurt and stuff after that uh, worked really hard you know my my senior year i got the most improved award and it was from freshman to senior year i ended up like one of the i think second team all conference it was through just hard work one of the things i know about myself is I do well with a lot of reps and practice, right? So it was practicing consistently. I did the other sports that I did, wrestling and track. They were all to help me become better at football. Mm -hmm. Ended up going to a small school to play football for a couple of years. Realized that I transitioned from one small school to another small school, one small town to another small town. And that was irritating to my soul. So I left that school, that small town. I did a little little stint in Oklahoma. I moved away between sophomore and junior year. Lived down there for a couple months. Came back, transferred to a larger school, transferred to Western Michigan University. I started playing rugby there for them. Really enjoyed that. And a part of it was this was one of the first times that I felt like I was doing something selfishly just, just for me. right? Even football and those athletic endeavors and stuff. Uh, football I did uh, because my older brother played football and I wanted to be just like my older brother. Uh, you know, wrestling I did because my football coach told me that I should do wrestling, right? So this this was one of the first times in my life I felt like I was doing something just uniquely for myself and selfishly for myself, and I loved it. Uh, left college, got to back to a small town, right? It wasn't my hometown, but it was close enough. It was like five miles away. It was a town called Coldwater, Michigan. And I really battled a lot with some internal stories. I was the type of guy who was going to get out, right? Never be back. And I found myself at 23 years old back in the small town that I thought I was doing everything that I possibly could to run away from. Mm -hmm. And um, I struggled a lot there. You know, I drank a lot, got in some trouble, with that 
and then found CrossFit. And CrossFit was the outlet for my competitive energies and all my frustrations and just the fire that I had inside of me. And, uh, you know, like most people who get involved in CrossFit, especially in the late, like the, the, the early 2010s, CrossFit was the way, the truth, and the light. It was like, everybody needs to be doing this. I've had such a good experience with this. Everybody needs to be doing it. So it didn't, it didn't necessarily help in the beginning, right? Because what we know now through experience and growing up and just becoming an adult and all of the things, right? The, the prescriptive solution, the individual solution is the one that's right for the person. For me, a 23, 24-year-old, CrossFit was exactly what I needed at the time. The blinders that I had on was the belief that that's what everybody needed at the time. My mother, who was in her 60s, my my 30, 40-year-old brother, myself, we all needed to do the thing. Yeah, we could scale it, right, and modify mm-hmm. it to, to make it appropriate for all of the populations. But the truth is, not everybody doing that. Right. But that's one of the things with any methodology, right? As you fall into it and it's like, oh, that's one of the pillars of it is this is what everybody, this ideology of it, right? Everybody should be doing this thing. I loved my time in CrossFit. I loved it selfishly for me. I loved the the pursuit of better and performance that it allowed for me. I loved coaching people while doing that because I got to see the people reignite their athleticism, right? Because that's what a lot of the people who get attracted to that thing they are. They're the 30, 40, maybe 50-year-old parents, right, who they still identify as an athlete from 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had any outlet to express in that way. That's what I enjoyed. I love seeing the, the energy and the excitement for people. Uh, they would get back involved in this thing, and you could see them, like, reattaching to a previous identity and reformulating formulating a new one for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can still be athletic. The other side of that coin or uh, the other side of that sword is that a lot of people get hurt mm-hmm. doing something like that. And it's not always because of the methodology. In part, it is, right? I don't think that like functional fitness, I don't think that there's a whole lot of functionality in a handstand push-up, a muscle-up, and a barbell snatch. Mm-hmm. But we were trying to package it and sell it that way because it's an all-or-nothing, right? With CrossFit, either you're all the way in or you're all the way out. At least it was then, and it's evolving, and it's getting a little bit better, and new new owners and coaches and stuff coming into the fold are helping with that. But for me and my naive 24, 25-year-old brain, it was everybody needs to be doing this thing, and we'll just, like, we'll get them there, right? Everyone should want to do a competition. Mm-hmm. I remember saying that at one point in time in my ownership journey, is everyone should want to do a competition because of who you get to the, the version of yourself that you get to meet by doing that was my, uh, was my thought and reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. What I later came to realize is that was just a version of me projecting my own goals and my own importance onto other people. And like, if people go through their entire lives and never do a CrossFit competition, it's not going to make them a better father, right. mother, brother, sister. It's not going to like tremendously add value to their life outside of the thing. Right? So, some of the things going through that process, the learnings of it, like, again, 
people would get injured and we would justify it and say, well, they shouldn't have been doing the thing that way. They should have known their limits and all of the things. And all of those are true, right? There's a personal responsibility to any sort of a modality that you get involved in. Like, look, you're not your 20 year old self mm -hmm. anymore. You're 45. You haven't exercised in 20 years. Let's come into this with a little bit of context and a little bit of understanding. Uh, and I just, I felt like we were failing more people than we were serving. I remember very specifically looking back at my member member management software and we had had at this point in time, we were, we were rocking, like we were a great CrossFit gym. And I look, it's hard. It was sometimes throughout the journey, it's been hard for me to look back on that and identify that accurately. Mm -hmm. But we had 125, 130 members in a town that, you know, eight to 12,000 people. So that's a pretty good segment of like, we're doing 1% of the population. That's mm -hmm. reasonable, right? We had good membership. We were finally starting to make some money as a business, right? As in we weren't bleeding money. And I remember January of 2020, I'm standing in the gym. There's a full class going on, like 15 to 20 people. There's a coach. There's a couple of people doing open gym in the front. We had a big space, right? We had a 4,000 square foot floor. A couple of people doing open floor. I'm trying to onboard somebody. And I look around and I just, I was more unfulfilled it was the best month we'd ever had financially. I was more unfulfilled than I had ever been at any point in time in my life as an owner of a business, right? Because I just felt like we were doing something wrong. I specifically remember looking around and going, what the fuck are we doing here? That's, that's a big step back to be able to acknowledge that and mature. You know, that's a huge mature, maturity step to say mm -hmm. like, yes, we're making all the money I never even thought I was going to be making in this business. And to finally have that moment of like, what the hell are we doing? That is heavy. Yeah, man. Especially, you know, the town that I'm from, median household income is 42,000. Median household. Like both partners are bringing in that. And we were charging like $120, $110 a membership. We were at the, like, it had never been done around there. We were doing personal training and we were, we were able to, because our, we were good, mm -hmm. right? We were able to do it for 80, 90, a hundred dollars a session. Um, and it just, it wasn't even inside my belief set that this was possible, right? I always thought it could be done. I was never sure that we were going to be able to pull it off until we actually started pulling it off, right? There was a lot of belief that went mm -hmm. into it. And my father dying had a lot to do with me going all into the business, right? Because I was a part-time owner for the first couple of years. So we we were finally doing the thing. after, And I had been working so hard, right? Like, oh my gosh. The first six months that I was a full-time owner, I made, I brought home $10,000 from the business. That's like $2,000 a month, less than $2,000 a month. It, but we were there, right? And to look around and be so unfulfilled by the thing that we were creating, just it, it was a real moment where I had to go, okay, maybe this isn't the way anymore. And I had found active life through my business partner at my second gym. I had found active life four months before we went to Wisconsin. We went to, used to hold, the company used to hold something called code awareness seminars where we would go and you would learn how to do the flexibility mobility assessment, 
right? Some basic strength balance testing, and then you could create some programming off of it. It was really a two day seminar to learn how to do the assessments. Mm. So we had started to implement that a week after that, we got on a call with Sean and he was discussing something new called the pro path. We were like, okay, well, we can do this for both gyms. Let's go. Let's try it. What we're doing right now isn't working as well as it could, right? We really wanted to get into it to grow the personal training side because we had, didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Right? We were doing some onboarding, but there was no personal, actual personal training being done at either facility. So that's how we got involved with the company. And then a couple of months after that, I have the moment of revelation. A couple of months after that, COVID hits, shuts everything down. And in that, in the, that time, I had a lot of thinking time, which I actually kind of enjoyed. And I came to the decision that we were no longer going to be a CrossFit affiliate. So we dropped the affiliate, leaned into Fortitude Strength only, no longer Fortitude Strength and Conditioning, home of CrossFit Coldwater. We did that. And continued to build that business based on, we did some small group, we did personal training and individual design. Would it be safe to say that the expectation you set out for the gym, gyms that you've created were a reflection of what you found through the gym? What do you mean? You said earlier that you found this, like, this outlet, this release through the gym. Did, is that the expectation you wanted when you had your members coming in and setting them up and starting the gym overall. Yeah, for sure. And how did that feel as a roller coaster of emotions when you got you provided them it? You got to that point where like, man, I don't know if this is even what we should be doing. COVID hits, big down on that roller coaster and then back up when you started reintroducing the active life model. Yeah, I mean it it's exactly I believe we get exactly what we should in the moment in time when we need it right so what the clarity through that time allowed me it was actually a blessing the whole COVID thing was a blessing because it gave us the real opportunity to be like okay when we reopen we can't run the business the way that we did before just the regulations that we had in Michigan were as strict as New York State Mm -hmm. so we, we we fundamentally couldn't run 15 person classes. I believe we were capped at 10 people in the space. We had 4,000 square feet, but you couldn't have more than 10 people operating in a space at any one time. And this was after we were allowed to come back inside. Wow. We spent a couple of months out in the parking lot under a, a 60 by 40 event tent. So we found we had to change that, right? It was helpful because it was like, okay, it was something I wanted to do anyway. This just makes it an easy flip of the, as the business turns back on. Mm-hmm. So we started doing like our hybrid class, right? Which was the the custom version. It was a 1.0 version of what we're doing at the flagship. Right. Right. And very rudimentary, very, very let's figure this out as we go. Were your partners on board? I didn't have any partners in Fortitude by this time. I had two when I started the business and um, I had bought them out. And we had some falling outs and, bu- and buying outs over the years. So I didn't have any partners in Fortitude at this time. My partner in Angola was not. Mm-hmm. So what I, what I had to come to terms with throughout this journey as well, and as my own evolution and, you know, stepping into mentoring and everything has been helpful with that is uh, deciding how the business functioned at business number two at CrossFit Angola is not my role. My role is to support the operator, right? Is to support Seth, is to support my partner there. Mm-hmm. 
to execute the vision that he has for the thing. It's not up to me there to set the vision. That was what I did at Fortitude. Right. Right. Set the vision, drive the vision, the mission, all of the things. His role and his evolution in that business, because I don't want to. I don't want to be responsible Mm -hmm. for creating the vision and ensuring that it happens there Uh, is to do that. And then my role is to figure out, okay, what are all of the things needed to help him get to achieving that thing? And then to challenge when it's appropriate to challenge, right? right? And to provide some insight, very similar to how I do with the businesses that I mentor in the pro path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did your experience as a competitive athlete influence your coaching style and your approach to training? In the beginning, I'm going to imagine heavily because it was everybody needs to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I was lucky through most of my competitive career, even with CrossFit, when I was competing in that, I never had a serious injury, like a surgical repair needed mm-hmm. for an injury. So I never got that part of it. Like I would, I would be sore all the time and I have like an achy shoulder and I have some bumps and bruises through all of the things. But I, I never needed to stop training, get surgical repair, and then do a rehab after that. So I didn't have any context for that piece of the puzzle, really, like if I'm drawing from personal experience, which in the beginning, that's what you do a lot. So it influenced it heavily in the beginning, and then I started to see all of the ways that I was wrong mm-hmm. as I matured through the thing. And, you know, it's the, it's the old meeting the clients where they're at. Right. You need to be able to create the custom prescriptive solution for them that gets them from point A to point B. It doesn't get them from your point A to point B. Right. Right. Or where you think they should be. It doesn't matter where I think a client should be or what I think that they should be doing. What matters is what they want to do, why it's important to them. And then how do I help create the plan, the process, the path that facilitates that climb to their own mountain, mm-hmm. not the mountain that I'm arbitrarily putting out for them, which is the everyone should do a mountain right so that was the biggest thing that i learned over the years yeah i can imagine that being very influential especially coming from two completely different sides of the spectrum of crossfit to a prescriptive approach Hmm. you know like you said that methodology of you have to do a competition and something against people who do it it's just the this is where their priority is leaning toward of this is where everybody or pinnacle of fitness lies yeah And it wasn't an everybody has to do a competition thing. It was everyone should want to do a competition. What motivated you to purchase the gym in Coldwater and start the entrepreneurial journey in the fitness industry? I'm the type of guy who says yes to opportunity. So the guy who owned the gym at the time, I had been coaching for him for about six months, maybe a little less. And... uh, he decided he wanted out, decided he wanted out and gave me the opportunity to buy the business. And I said, yes. And I was scared. So I brought a couple of partners on with me that I knew, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And the, I knew we wouldn't be a good fit long-term, but I brought them along with me anyway. And yeah, it was just, I mean, I was 23, 24, 24 at the time. This had made a massive impact on my life. As in, I felt I, I gave it a lot of credit, right? Finding CrossFit, that thing, that outlet was one of the things that really helped me turn it around, right? Because if, if I hadn't, 
I found something healthy as an outlet for my energy, I was going to end up in jail. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to end up in prison. I had been to jail. I'd never been to prison. And if I didn't find something, I was going to end up in prison. So this was that for me. That's good. And I appreciate you sharing that because I'm sure there are a lot of other people who have used it as an outlet and don't feel very good when other people may bash it in a sense of CrossFit is evil. This is bad. You can't be doing this. But for a lot of people, this was a savior. This was a blessing in disguise. This was my ticket to get out. Dude, I, I mean, it's you're always your own ticket, right? Like, I'm the one who did the thing. It was, it was, I give it a lot of credit. It was one of the things that helped me change the trajectory of my life. It, truly. It, it, finding CrossFit and a lot of credit to my older brother who invited me to my first session. I mean, I, just like everybody, I got invited to my first session. It was something silly. It was like five rounds of 10 ring rows, 10 push-ups, 10 lunges, something like that. And I didn't make it to the fourth round. And I sat by the door dry heaving after like, I was like, whoa, it took me two months to go back after my first class. So there was a little bit of ego in there. Right. And it helped me understand how to be more tempered. It understood, it helped me understand all of the things that I needed at that point in my journey. Uh, so I give it a lot of credit for helping me become the, the person that I am today. It's not. For me, it, it, it wasn't the place, right? It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a stop, not a stay. I like it. I like how you said that a lot of, I feel like a lot of people feel like this is where we may find our capacity or this is where we find the peak of our life or mm-hmm. our existence of where we felt like we were at the top of the world and we can't even rewrite our story to refine this type of thing. So mm-hmm. for you to say like, it was a part of my story, but it wasn't dictating my entire story was is very impressive especially at the age at that time it's not easy to acknowledge those type of things yeah i mean all of the experiences have been helpful and no one in their entirety is responsible for where we're at right now right Right? they were all just pieces of it and that's one thing i believe i've always been good at is figuring out okay what's the next thing that can happen what's the next potential future here what's the next potential path forward in 2019, you enrolled in Activize ProPath program. Mm-hmm. How did this program impact your business and personal growth as a coach and a person? Yeah, it, I mean, it made me realize that there was a potential here for a prescriptive exercise education mentorship program. It opened my eyes to the possibility, right, of something different and the fact that something different could be something better. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, my experience in fitness was when I was 19, I worked in a Nautilus gym as a trainer, which just machines where you're counting reps for people. And I wanted to, I never wanted to go back to that. <laughs> and then CrossFit, right? I mean, I had done all the strength training and stuff through college and high school, but my primary fitness modalities were those two things as far as coaching and educating. And um, this opened my eyes to there's, there's more out there. Right. And I was really intrigued by the idea that you could assess an individual, right? Like I could look at you, I could take you through some of these assessments and I could identify what should you be doing based on the data that I had, uh, that I had uncovered the the things that I had learned, right? Because that's a lot of what CrossFit was preaching at the time, right? It's observable, measurable, repeatable data, right? That's their whole argument for doing Fran, for doing Kelly, for doing 2159, anything, is you can use that as a measure against your previous time 
and, and it's now a measure of your fitness. The problem with that is no one asks, should you even be doing that mm-hmm. as a measure? Right. And then there's all of like the little competitive things, which we don't have to go into that get you more time, right. Or get you a faster time. And at the end of it, the question for me became, uh, how does taking my Fran time from three minutes and five seconds to under three minutes, help me become a better individual in any way, shape or form outside of the thing? Mm-hmm. It makes me very sport specific better. Right. And when I would, you know, uh, share my Fran time, being under three minutes, it was like, oh, dude, awesome. That's so great. Like, how did you do it? That's a, that's a, that's a great time. Uh, but it never helped me, like, be a better boyfriend, mow the lawn, like, play with the dog, show up for my family, in that straight line kind of way. Where looking at, all right, what sort of shoulder flexion do you have? Right. Let's me know, oh, should you be throwing a ball with your kid or not? Right. Because based on everything that we had up to that point, we were doing like basic measures. Right. Can you do a squat? Right. Can you do a ring row? We were using that to gather and assess people's capacity. We weren't using any sort of hierarchical system. Right? We didn't have the system. That's what that's what active life and the pro path then had provided us with is the system to measure and create a solution for people. Was there a coach or a question asked to you that kind of flipped the switch to have you started asking more of these type of questions or taking a whole entirely different approach? Mm, it's a good question. I don't remember a moment that, no, I don't remember a moment that this happened. I think at that time and to the through line through a lot of this stuff, I was constantly in the pursuit of what the better version of the thing is. Right. We're asking a lot of those questions at the flagship now. Mm-hmm. Right. We have something here. All right. What's the best version of this? How can we improve this experience? How can we improve our processes, the client, whatever the thing is? And that's the question that I was asking at the time. Right. I was doing all I was continuing certifications. I was continuing education. I've always been involved in that. I'm trying to learn something new to figure out right, how does this implement? This was just, to me, this was just another version of that. If I wasn't going to do it through active life, I was going to do it through power athlete, or I was going to do it through, through, I was going to do it through somebody else. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just happened to find active life. More specifically, my partner found active life. How does your role as a mentor for active life's pro path program contribute to your professional development and the success of the program's participants? Uh, It's a one-to-one, like it's a because all of the things that we're doing at the flagship, you know, the purpose of the flagship is to be the test kitchen for this stuff. And when I say this stuff, I mean the all of the things that we've been talking about for years that I was trying to do in Coldwater at Fortitude and all the pro path gyms are doing in pieces and part. I mean, nobody's actually doing the full version of the thing, partly because the vision for the full version of the thing lives with Sean. Right. Like he's truly the only one who, before I got involved with this, had a clear picture of what that vision was. Right. Of exactly how we would run the processes, how we would take somebody from down here at the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain and have freedom. Right. And how the ascend sessions would work, how this how the PT sessions would work. So. He had that clear vision of what the beginning and the end was. And what I was brought in to do 
and I, I wasn't the only one to do this, right? Mary, Dan, everybody, you, uh, Sam, Kate have been contributing factors to this was to figure out, okay, how do we make that vision become a reality? For example, the discovery and consultative process that we do now. I've had conversations with Sean about this. If it was up to him to decide how they, that would happen, we would never do it the way that we do it now. Mm-hmm. Right? But the way that we do it now is great because it allows us to provide a lot of value to the clients and the people that we're working with. And it allows us to get to the end of a call, which is 45 minutes to an hour and say, are we the best fit to help this person? Yes, we are. Or no, we're not. Okay. If we're not, then who should they be talking to? And we make a local referral, Mm -hmm. right? So to your question around, how does it correlate between mentoring and the other gym? It's a direct one-to-one as in I'm taking the processes that we're developing here and giving them right to the clients and saying, go use this. And go use this because I know it works. It's not a go use this, I think it's going to work, right? Which is part of conceptually what the pro path was before. When I was doing it, it was all of us. There was an idea of how the thing should go, but no one was actually doing it. No one was actually testing it. It hadn't manifested itself and come to life. This is that. This is the full expression of just doing the thing, what it looks like to the highest degree. Right. There are, again, pro path gyms that are doing pieces and parts of it right now. And this has been able to be a model for what's possible. If you do all of the things in the way that we're talking about. Yeah, it sounds very straightforward, too, of how different it can. It is compared to other facilities, other gyms or just other places offering where they may call it similar. Mm. You know, we provide a service where we let people know we are very niched. We are not stepping on toes, not looking to be anything that we're not. Mm. And we are very real about it. Like we said before, like we refer out probably 50, 60% of the people we speak to Mm -hmm. because we want to make sure we are so value driven to keep the culture exactly where it's supposed to be the right way. Yeah. What right is to us. Yes, man. When I get like, we've had this conversation on discovery calls. Sometimes people will be like, tell me about you. Tell me about your process. Tell me about the price. And uh, my thought process in that is I don't have anything to sell you. First of all, so I can't even tell you about the process and price because I don't know what that would look like for you. So if it's all right with you, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions over the next 45 minutes to an hour to figure out, are we even the right fit to be working with you? From there, we'll do the consultation, which is the next thing, which is another 90 minutes. So we're spending two and a half hours with a potential client before we ever even talk about what their path forward looks like. Part of that is them being the salesman. Mm -hmm. And what I mean when I say that is they're selling me, they're selling us on their problem set and their willingness to solve it. Right? I don't have anything to sell to an individual who's interested in, and I, when I say I, I mean active life, the flagship, we have nothing to sell to an individual and until we understand that we can help them, they want help. And they would truly value uh, the prescriptive approach that we're going to take to solving the problem. If at any point in time somebody gets on, like, look, I want fun, energy, and atmosphere, like, great, I love that for you. We're not going to be the best fit to help you. I'll make a referral to F45. I'll make a referral to uh, Fit House. I'll make a referral to Island Park. And we do that. You know, if you tell me that you want to deadlift, you want to back squat and you want to bench press, and that's the most important thing to you, I'm going to make a referral to Long Beach Strength. Like, what we're doing there 
is we're trying to figure out, can we make the impact and the change on the individual? Because if we can't, or they're not going to enjoy the way that we're going to do it, we're not the best fit to work with them. So it doesn't, I don't have anything to sell in that instance. And I think the most valuable part of that is we don't sell to anybody unless the value and moral reason makes sense. Yeah, it's ethical, yeah. right? It's like, it's all about, uh, for me, it's all about doing the right thing for the person on the other end of the phone or the other side of the table. Right? That's it. Mm. A lot of times that means not working with us. Yeah. Which is, I think, the right approach. It's a hard pill to swallow, too, because when you tell other business owners that, that you're denying business, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. But when you give them that reasoning behind it of like, we want to make sure our culture line stays where it is and nothing is getting under it, we maintain the standard. And that's how things coast, flow, well, just, and do it. To your point around the mindset, right, when we started this conversation, it's having a growth mindset versus a scarcity mindset. The scarcity mind says that I need to have every single client because I don't know when or where I'll get another client. Right. What we're saying is that we want to be able to help the people that we can help. And there's what, in the summer, there's 65,000 people here in Long Beach. We have a cap, as in we will never have more than 120 clients. There's 65,000. We need less than 1% of the population who has a problem. There is far more than less than 1% of the, that has a problem set that, that they want what we are doing as in a prescriptive solution that meets them where they're at. It encompasses education as in you're going to learn how to do all the things that you want to do. There's the exercise component because that's what we are, right? That's the, that's the vehicle to get to the thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's the mentorship. It's having somebody, a professional in your pocket or having somebody there for you to help you support you through the setbacks, to help support you through all of the questions that are going to come up for you and a trusted, a, a confidant, a guide, right? That's what we're doing. So the, the scarcity version of that is, uh, well, I need to work with everybody. And for us, what that would end up doing is we wouldn't be around two years from now because we're not great at working with everybody. Energy, the atmosphere, you want to do powerlifting, you want to do a physique competition. Like you have a very specific goal that's outside of the subset of what we do well. We're a terrible option to work with you. You're not going to enjoy it. We're not going to get you there. So we need to figure out first, can we help? That's what we do. So we take all of those processes and we, we give them directly to the facilities that we work with that are in the pro path. And we can do that with a level of confidence because we know it works because we're doing it. Right. Right. And I feel like that network is so much more powerful too, because of the amount of trust that you put into your referrals because of how much trust you're putting into the process and the values at the flagship it's going to have to be vice versa for the people we refer out to because we want that to also be a reflection on the way we feel like we're putting you in the right hands. So you got the right hands from us. Make sure that this is the right fit. And it's always going to be that way because we don't want to do anything less than that. Yeah. We want to be the most valuable business in Long Beach for, for everybody. And part of that's being the connector. Can right? you elaborate on that? connecting them to the solution that they need, right? Another example, take it away from fitness, right? I've talked with people who are describing frozen shoulders, nerve pain. You need a physical therapist or a doctor 
right? I can't, we can't work with you under those while you still have those conditions. So we're going to make a connection there, right? If you get, if you're the type of person who you're calling up, you know, the flagship and you're like, I've got this nerve pain, it's shooting down my leg. I'm, I feel like I'm mentally, I'm on my last leg here. Like I, I need something to work for me. And we become the place that says, hey, we have this really great doctor that we work with. I, I imagine they'll be able to, or physical therapy clinic, whatever, they'll be able to really help you and assess you and they'll figure out what the appropriate thing is. And if you, as long as you trust their process in the same way that you would trust ours, you're going, they're going to let you know what the appropriate next step is. Would it be okay if I call them for you, I give them your name, your email, and I have them reach out to you? That's what I mean by being the connect. That's what we want to do. And that hits home a lot differently for people because you're, they feel special. They feel like they're heard, they're valued, they're understood for that moment because you're like, oh, this person actually does care. They're not even getting any referral mo- or like a money thing out of this or mm-hmm. any sort of business acquisition because of that. They're just so focused on making sure you're put in the right hands. Yeah, it's the right thing for the right people for the right reasons. It's integrity. It's it's just it's a it's who we are and what we are going to do. Closing Fortitude Strength after seven successful years must have been a very difficult decision. What factors influenced your choice to focus on new opportunities and how did you handle the transition? It wasn't that hard. The hardest part about it was getting over my own ego. Mm. Because I wanted in again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Dude, if I could go back and do it all again, I would have closed it when I left. But I wanted to be the guy who lived six hundred miles away, who had two successful facilities, right? And taking the ego out of it, I wanted it to be there for the people who were there, for the clients that we were serving, the people that we were working with, the professionals that I had on staff. Like I wanted it to be there for them. So there was a martyrdom, there was a combination of martyrdom and a combination of ego. Mm-hmm. I w- it was time. Every business has a cycle, right? It was time for, and I, d- I didn't have the energy to try to thug it out mm-hmm. from 600 miles away. And what I realized what I, was I would always be one person removed from the facility. If regardless of a leadership structure that was, imp- if my employer decided that they were going to leave, I would need to step in and take over some task, which I just, I didn't have the bandwidth. I didn't have the desire didn't have the passion to do anymore. I wanted, like I had finally been able to manifest into reality. The thing that I had always wanted, which was to get out. It finally happened. Right. So it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard to do in hindsight. I would do it sooner. I would have done it faster. It's been a great, and experience. And here's the other thing. All of the people that I was afraid for, they found it. They didn't find the exact same thing, but they found something somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm sure it was a good feeling too to know that the people who were able to find it found it when they started with you as well. Yeah. Where you were the, this is where they found a peace home structure in their life. They loved coming to this and that outlet and release that we spoke about earlier you did your job exactly what you wanted to do for them. 
you were told you said you wanted them to have this outlet this reach and now they were able to express themselves found it somewhere else and they're still happy doing their thing yeah man i mean even in the last three years of the business two and the last two and a half years we were solving some high level problems for people like we had become helping people come back from or get ready for joint replacement right like i had a client this was just before i left I, we worked together one-on-one. I had created some individual design for her that led her up to the point where she got her knee replacement and then tapered her back into movement after she got done with physical therapy and she was stronger. She recovered easier. I worked multiple people through surgeries. They're like, we were doing everything that, that, that we needed to do and i was i'm i'm happy with what we have done and i don't need to do it anymore there what advice would you give aspiring coaches or gym owners who are looking to achieve success in the fitness industry this is always a tough one because i can give all of the advice in the world and one of the things that i believe to be true is you need to experience it yourself before it's ever real for you, right? So I could tell you, hey, look, here's the exact roadmap forward. If you just do these things, you're gonna be in a great spot. But part of the human condition is doing the thing on your own, making the mistake, taking the lesson, doing the interpretation, and trying to forge a better path forward. So. As far as advice, the things that have worked, for, what I can do is I can tell you the, the couple of things that have worked for me, all right? Following my gut, as in, like, regardless of what other people said, by the way, mm-hmm. has worked out very well for me. So trusting myself has worked out well. Start with something that you're passionate about and inspired because that's going to get you through the inevitable, really fucking hard times of the thing. If you have no passion for it, and you're you're coming at it like, oh, I'm gonna make a lot of money, I'm gonna be able to get a lot of fame or notoriety, it's never going to last. Because you have no idea how tremendously low the lows can be, and if you are not inspired, you are not gonna make it. Trust yourself, follow a passion. And the last thing that I would say is avoid, avoid being stuck to anything. Let me put that in a better way. One of the things that I try to remain steadfast and consistent in is something strong opinions loosely held. I have a lot of really strong opinions and I'm willing to let them go if I'm presented with something that's better, right? CrossFit's the way of the truth and the light. Everybody needs to be doing it. I found something that was better, a prescriptive education, exercise, and mentorship program. I'm like, oh, it just makes sense. Let's go do that, mm-hmm. right? Where I know other people get stuck in the, well, no, we got to keep doing this thing, but it's not working for people. Well, it's working for some. Okay, is that the impact that you want to have? Well, no. Okay, then why not change? Well, I don't, I'm scared, I'm, I'm whatever. Like, I, I, I want to stick with this thing. So I have strong opinions and I hold on to them loosely. I'm willing to change my mind when better information is presented. So that would be it. You know, trust yourself, have strong opinions, 
that are loosely held and uh, have start off with something that you're really passionate about. Looking ahead, what are your goals and aspirations in the fitness industry and how do you plan to continue making a positive impact? I don't know that I have goals and aspirations specifically in the fitness industry. I have goals and aspirations generally for the impact that we're making in, I think, multiple industries, fitness being one of them. What I would love for us to continue to do is do a really good job at the flagship location, do a really good job for the clients that we're working with, uh, do a really good job for the professionals, for the team that we're working with, get everybody to that point where they're like, this is awesome. All of the time, this is awesome. This is exactly where I want to be. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And then I want to play a part in helping us scale this as a company. Where can the listeners find you? You can find me at 120 East Park, <laughs> sitting in the leadership office or behind the front desk. You can find me on Instagram. It's still Coach Cody Ringle, Facebook, that sort of stuff. You can shoot me an email, Cody at ActiveLifeLongBeach.com. Cool. That's it. Cody, I really do appreciate you sharing your story and spending some time with us today. Yeah, Thank man. You. Always.